This is Beyond Limits, a scriptural journey into embracing supernatural possibility. And so really, I feel like um, the first couple of weeks trying to kind of lay a foundation and then building upon that. And so last week, we talked quite a bit about what I call um, (laughs) the withness of God that the Father desires to be with His people. And that's really first and foremost the thing that we need to realize that in this this faith walk, this journey, in this relationship with Yahweh, his desire is to be with his people. We looked at uh, in the scripture where he created the garden, and then he put Adam and Eve there, and then he came in the cool of the day to be with them. When he showed up and they were hiding in their shame and their sin, his first question was, where are you? And I believe it's because he desired that relationship to be with them, his presence, um, his for them to see his face, to see him, to know him. Uh, we see that continued with the uh, the tabernacle. He, he goes and tells Moses to build this tabernacle so that he can then come be with his people. And then we have Yeshua who comes as Emmanuel, God with us. And then he says, um, go and preach the good news to everybody. And then he said, surely I'll be with you. And then he sends the Spirit who comes to infill the believers. And this Holy Spirit is presence, the presence of, of Yahweh with us. And so he desires to be with us. And that's first and foremost. Tonight, we're going to be talking about this idea of partnering with the Father. So he reveals himself in relationship to us, with us, and then he shows us his heart and his will and invites us to partner that. So we're with him um, in relationship, but then we're also partnered with him in the will that he has for us. And uh, next week we'll be talking about destiny, Um, but this week we're calling it revelational relationship. And so if we want to talk about the supernatural nature <laughs> or the this super nature the supernatural nature of relationship uh, with the father it's revelational which means it's revealed to us and so it is Yahweh invisible God spirit being who is then now revealing himself by his spirit as he decides and desires revealing himself to mankind and so we have revelational, relationship. The relationship that we have with the Father is by nature supernatural and done by spirit. So we're talking about beyond limits, a scriptural journey into embracing supernatural possibility. And so I really just want to hammer home tonight this idea of a supernatural relationship, that there's no other way that it really happens. It We can't get around it. We can't fabricate it. We can't make it up. The Father desires to reveal himself to people and then invite them into relationship and partnership. And so I want to look at some of the um, supernatural, um, what's the word? Um, I keep saying nature, but the supernatural spiritual nature of the way that he's revealing himself to people throughout Scripture. So we're going to look at a couple of stories. We'll look at Abram or Abraham, Moses, Samuel, uh, a little bit of Isaiah. 
and then we'll end on um, Saul having his encounter on the road to Damascus. And so let's dive into the scriptures. If you don't have the PDF downloaded, you can visit our website, and I'll put the link here in the um, in the chat one more time. And so you can go to thesourcewichita.com slash beyond-limits, and then when you click that link, it'll take you to our webpage, and you scroll down just a little bit, and there's a button that says Week 3 Notes. And so you can click that, and it's going to download a PDF, and you can follow along um, tonight with those scriptures. And so just to reiterate here on the notes, there's the statement for the evening is that God has a track record of revealing himself to mankind for the purpose of relationship and partnership. And so something that we have to understand is that we're, we're going to look at this in scripture. We're going to look at Old Testament. We're going to look at one New Testament scenario. But what I want you to consider is that as the Lord is showing this track record of how what he's doing throughout the entire narrative of scripture just imagine that when we close the bible and we set it on a on a on our bedside table and the scriptures are closed do we believe and have we considered that what the father has done with those in the scriptures he's still doing with us and he's still doing today and and I would argue that, yes, absolutely, he is still doing that today. We get very specific instances of the Father's will for mankind. Now, we have the Bible, which is primarily the the uh, the story of creation and then the fall and then the redemption of mankind um, with the coming of Yeshua and then the Spirit coming to empower the church to continue that ministry of reconciliation as though God's making his appeal through us. And so I would argue that that's continuing. And so where some of his will and his heart and his desire is the same, he's doing it through people like you and me who aren't Moses, who aren't Samuel, who aren't Saul, but we are who he's made us to be. And he's gifting us individually. He's calling us individually. He's mandating us individually. This is an individual thing. He's revealing himself to these individuals one-on-one, and I believe he's still doing it today. And so this will be the foundation that leads us into um, the next couple of weeks about blueprints and mandates and destiny and resources of heaven and spiritual warfare and all these things. But I just want to hammer down this idea that what we see that he's doing here, we're just going to consider that he's still doing that today. And so we can look to the scriptures. We can look to the experiences that these individuals had in the past. We can see what they've written about their experience with Yahweh. We can glean from that. We can learn from that. We can find principles. We can even praise the Lord for what he has done, but we have to, I believe, I would would ask you to consider how he's still doing that today. And so let's read, uh, starting in Genesis Chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. And so it says, Then Adonai said to Abram, or the Lord said to Abram. And so let me just stop here, like every good preacher does, and reads one sentence and then has to talk about it. So what we don't get is context 
of what Abram was doing or it, all of a sudden we just get this story that starts about this guy named Abram and the Lord then just begins to speak to Abram. It doesn't say that Abram was worshiping on the mountain and he had a vision. It doesn't say that he was he was in a temple. He wasn't reading scripture. There was no Bible that existed at this point in time. It doesn't even say that he was praying. We just have this instance of Yahweh, the creator, now choosing to speak with his, his voice. He's speaking to a man named Abram. And so he says to Abram, get going out from your land. So he now gives him just this command. So Abram is hearing the voice of this entity and it's giving him a command. And he says, get going out from your land and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. My heart's desire. I want you guys to just take that phrase and just impress it upon your heart and your mind. My, excuse me, my heart's desire is to make you into a great nation, to bless you, to make your name great so that you may be a blessing. My desire is to bless those who bless you, but whoever curses you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. And so then um, the father continues expressing his heart and his will for Abram, saying, I'm going to make you into a great nation like If you look at the stars of the sky, that many, that's going to be the amount of your descendants. And we know the story of Abram. He's eventually Abraham and, and he has a wife and then they're to have this child later on in life. And they have one with using the, um, the servant. And then there's just this whole mess, but we get this story of Abram that simply starts with the father speaking a word. So invisible God speaking to his creation and sharing his heart's desire, his will, what he wants. So later on, we'll talk about a will in heaven to be made manifest on earth. So we have the heart of God being communicated here in the scriptures to Abram. He says, my heart's desire is to make you into a great nation. So you have this God who is now revealing himself to Abram. And not only is he revealing himself by his word, by speaking to him, this supernatural voice, this ruach, this spirit, this breath, this wind coming forward and hitting the the physical ears, the spiritual ears of Abram. He's listening to God speaking. And so there's the heart of God that's going forth. And there's a commandment as an invitation to participate in the will that the father has for Abram. So the reason I wanted you to impress that phrase on your heart, my, your heart's desire, my heart's desire, it's so important that we have to, that we consider the will of God as his heart's desire. And it's, it's a good desire, right? We know the scripture says that his plans are to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future, The Father has a heart for us. And so we can go and we can look in Scripture, and he's speaking to Abram, my heart's desire for you is, and then he explains it to him. He gives him a command that is essentially Abram saying, 
if I'm obedient to this command, well, then I'm partnering in your will for what you desire with your heart's desire. I'm coming into agreement with your heart's desire by being obedient to your commands. You know, Jesus later on says uh, in the scripture that if you love me, you'll obey my command. And I, and I don't think this is as much a, we need to force ourselves to be obedient to what the Lord commands, but if we understand his heart behind it, if we know his heart's desire for his will to come forth and we are connected in relationship to the heart of the father, his commands are not burdensome. And of course we want to be obedient because our obedience means our blessing. Now listen to this. He says, my heart's desire is to make you into a great nation to bless you. So the partnership with the command of Yahweh and the obedience means that we reap the benefit of the heart of God for us in the obedience. Does that make sense? And so we're not obedient. We need to understand we're not obedient for the blessing, but we're obedient from relationship and knowing his heart when we're in a love relationship with him. And so it's so very important that when we engage with the father and when we pray and when we seek his face, right? We want to be with him when we're in his presence, that we can just ask very simply, what is your heart's desire for me, father? And all we're asking is what is your will? We've made the will of God, this crazy thing to be grasped. I remember being younger as a believer and always wondering, what's the will of God? What's the will of God for my, for my life? Who am I supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to go? Which college am I supposed to go to? If I go this way, am I doing the right thing? If I go this way, am I doing the wrong thing? If I make this decision and we live in fear and we live in worry and we're so concerned, we're going to do the wrong thing. But the scripture says that perfect love cast out all fear. So when we're in that love relationship with the father and we love him and he's revealing his heart to us because he does that as our father and who he is to us. I think having the will of the father revealed to us is a lot less difficult than we've made it out to be. And it's meant to be in a place of freedom and it's the father's desire. It's his heart's desire. And I just want to nail that into your brain tonight as, as you move forward in your relationship with the Lord and, and as we ask him and consider, and we just always have the heart open to say, father, what is your heart's desire for me? And I believe that in those times that the Lord, he really, um, he does reveal his heart to us and it's, it's just his will. It's what he wants. It's what he desires. And so I often say, Lord, I just want what you want. But then oftentimes we don't actually say, but what do you want, Lord? How many times have we prayed that? We said, Father, I just want what you want. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we say these things, but then we don't actually position ourselves to hear what he has to say to us because he can reveal that to us. And I believe it's his heart to do so. And we can be open to listen. And then as he reveals that heart to us, well, then that's actually, I believe, an invitation into partnership and agreement. So then when we move and we say, I want that too. You know, there was a, a time when I was in um, uh, Oregon, it was recently, and I went for a run. Maybe I've told this story plenty of times, but as I was going for this run and I'm asking the Lord, what is your will for me? 
what do you want for me? He, he said, I want purity for you. And I'm like, I want purity for me too. And you know, it's been one of those things where I pray all the time. This is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. But there's so much more power when the Lord actually reveals that that's his heart for me. And then I can say, well, if that's the Lord's plan for me, well, then your will be done, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. I just agree. And then I partner in working that out. What are the steps that we take? How do we move forward in this? But there's so much power in that partnership. And so just want you to take that with you the next time you go to the Father and just ask him to reveal his heart for you. And I believe that he will. And It'll bring you so much shalom, so much peace and comfort in, in tough times and where there's confusion and where there's doubt and where there's hopelessness. It, it's such an easy question to ask. And I believe that he's just waiting to say, let me show you my heart for you. It's so beautiful. And just to reiterate from week one, where we talked about that as we journey deeper into a supernatural understanding of the love of the Father, the more that we are filled to the fullness, to the measure of the fullness of who he is. And so the more we have his heart revealed to us, his love for us revealed, literally the, the more we, we have presence, the more we have being with him, the more we realize how much he's with us and in us and what he wants to do in us and through us. And so let's move forward just a little bit. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 1 through 10. And this is going to tie a little bit more into this idea of presenting yourself in the presence of the Father to hear His heart's desire and to be positioned to, to say, here I am. We're going to be introduced to this Hebrew word, Hebrew word, Hineni, which means here I am. So now Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and so he led the flock to the furthest end of the wilderness, coming to the mountain of God, Horeb. Then the angel of Adonai appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. So we just want to talk supernatural possibility. We've got the Lord manifesting in a physical created thing. So again, this idea of supernatural or spiritual meaning physical, we just want to wrap our minds around that a little bit. So he looked and saw the bush burning with fire, yet it was not consumed. And Moses thought, I will go now and see this great sight. Why is this bush not burnt? So he's seeing something that's out of the ordinary. And what we come to find is there's a supernatural scenario taking place. So what is supernaturally possible in this moment? It is supernaturally possible based on scripture that the father can manifest the, his angel through a physical object that um, defies all laws of physics and science. So let's just make that statement. Um, when Adonai saw and saw that he turned to look, he called to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. So again, here we have invisible God manifesting in a supernatural way and then speaking to a human being and that human being somehow hearing the voice of God. So again, we had Abram who said to Adonai, or excuse me, Adonai who said to Abram, and now we have Adonai who said to Moses. So again, it's the idea of the word of God going forth. It's the creator of the universe using his voice, his ruach, his wind, his breath to speak 
and to reveal himself to an individual and invite him into partnership in his will. This is just going to be a recurring theme. We need to see it. And so again, shut the book. Even now we've got two instances where this is how Yahweh has revealed himself to man. And so if we read this and shut the book, then what do we conclude about how the father reveals himself to people? It's by his word. It's by his voice. It's by him speaking to those humans, those beings, those people that he's created. And it's his, he's the one that's initiating the relationship. It's him, the one that's speaking and it's them that are listening. Okay. So then he said, come no closer. Oh, excuse me. Moses, Moses. And so he answered Hineni or this Hebrew word that means here I am. And so it's as though Moses was giving his full attention there to the father as he's speaking. He's standing there and he's saying, here I am. I'm present. I'm attentive. I'm listening. What do you have to say? There's an openness there. There's a, 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 a position of, of being receptive. And so he says, come no closer, take your sandals off your feet for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Um, he, he goes then to reveal more of who he is. I'm the God of your father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Moses hid his face cause he's afraid to look at God. And so Adonai says, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their slave masters, for I know their pains. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of the land into a good and large land, a, large, a land flowing with milk and honey into the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of B'nai Israel has come to me. Moreover, I've seen the oppression that the Egyptians have inflicted on them. Come now, I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, B'nai Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring B'nai Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will surely be with you. So again, here's this idea of the father being with his people in relationship, in presence, as he's inviting them into work out his will and partner with what he desires. Um, and he says, so that, uh, so that will be the sign to you that is who I have, who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So the father, here's the cry of his people who are under the oppression of Pharaoh. He hears their cry and he says, surely I know their pains. So he's saying, I empathize with the pain and the cry of my people. So now his heart's desire, his will is to use Moses to help deliver his people from the hand of Pharaoh. So the father in heaven has a will and he has decided it's time to intervene. I am going to deliver them from Pharaoh. I need someone to partner with me in this mission so I choose Moses to partner with me. So now I'm going to reveal myself to Moses by speaking to him. I'm going to let him know my heart and my will. And then I'm going to invite him into it. And as I invite him into it, I'm going to make a promise that I'm going to be with him. You guys seeing this recurring theme, maybe say 
nod your head or say yes in the chat. Like there's a recurring theme that's going on here. Let's look at Samuel, uh, first Samuel three, one through 11. And I love this, this story as well. So I'll just kind of tell the story rather than reading all of the scripture. But we know that there's a boy named Samuel and he's in service to the father under Eli, Eli, the priest. And so one night it says one day, Eli was laying down in his place. Now his eyes had grown dim so he could not see and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in Adonai's temple where the ark of God was. And so Adonai called Samuel. So he answered, here I am. And then he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. So we have this idea of there's a voice calling to Samuel and he thinks it's Eli. He doesn't recognize that it's the voice of the father. So this happens a couple more times, I believe three times. And Samuel goes back to Eli and he's saying, you called me. And Eli says, I didn't call you. And then realized, you know what? It's the father who's speaking to you. And so next time he calls for you, say to him, speak Adonai for your servant is listening. And so Samuel goes and lays back down. Adonai came and stood and called as the other time. So again, here we have this idea of the father coming and, and being with. So he comes and stands there and calls out to Samuel again. And so Samuel finally says, speak for your servants listening. And Adonai says to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone, at which both ears of everyone that hears it will tingle. Real quick, Samuel three nineteen through 21. So Samuel grew up and Adonai was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Then all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was entrusted as a prophet of Adonai. Adonai started to appear once more in Shiloh, for Adonai revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of Adonai. And so, revelational relationship. Adonai revealed, there was revelation that happened, revealed himself to Samuel by his word, by his voice, by him speaking. And so, as he reveals himself to Samuel, he says, behold, I'm about to do something in Israel, which both ears of everyone that hears it will tingle. So Yahweh comes to Samuel and says, hey, here's my plan. Here's my will. And so we know that Samuel then has Yahweh revealed to him. And then Samuel goes on to be a prophet of the Lord, speaking the heart and the mind of the father to the people. So he partners with him in what the father wants to do. So again, the idea of revelation by the speaking, being with him, initiating relationship and inviting into partnership. And so recurring theme real quick, Isaiah six, eight, we won't spend too much time here, but it says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. So Isaiah, he says, the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. So he's having a vision of the Father in the heavenlies, and he hears the Father speaking. And the Father actually makes a call 
and says, who will go for us? And Isaiah presents himself and he says, here I am. He says, Hanani. So you have Moses, the Lord speaks and Moses presents himself and positions himself to hear what the father says. He says, here am I. We've got Samuel who the Lord calls out to him. And then the Lord says, here I am, Lord speak for your servant is listening. So there's this idea of an openness to listen and to hear and to receive. You have Isaiah who says, Hanani, here I am. And so again, it's this idea of when the father calls, we position ourselves to say, yes, Lord, what do you, what do you have? What do you desire? What is your heart's desire? What do you, what, what do you want? What is your will? And realizing that as we have that will revealed, that it can also be an invitation to partner with what the father wants to do. So let's, we'll jump into the new Testament and look at this played out just a little bit. So we can see that that thread of the revealing by the word continues through into the new Testament. So real quick, the revelation of the father came by his word, by his speaking. But then we have Jesus who takes on flesh and is born into the world. And he is the fullness of the deity. He's all of the father in bodily form. He's the word that the word was with God, was God and with God, and then became flesh. So the word became flesh. So we have the manifestation of the word, the heart, the breath, the desire, the love, the plan, the will of the Father is manifested in Christ and then comes to be with us. And then he then sends the Spirit to do the same thing. And so there's this thread that continues through from the Old Testament to the New Testament. <clears throat> so let's look at Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 6. So meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say. So let's stop right there real quick. We have a supernatural scenario where there's a this flash of light from heaven and all of a sudden he falls to the ground and he hears a voice let's go back to isaiah real quick isaiah has a vision and sees and then he hears a voice samuel's laying down he hears a voice abram is in existence and then he hears a voice moses sees a bush catch on fire, and then he hears a voice. So there's these supernatural scenarios that are surrounding the voice of the Father coming to reveal himself to these people. And so Saul, he's there with others, but nobody around him heard or saw anything, is what the Scripture says. So Saul is having an experience with the Lord, Jesus is now revealing himself, manifesting himself as Messiah to Saul through a supernatural scenario where then there's a voice 
that is a revelatory, revelational voice inviting Saul into relationship with Jesus. And then ultimately we know that then there's a partnership because Saul becomes an apostle and then he goes on mission to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. So there's a revealing of a relationship by the word and a partnership with a command and a purpose, all in accordance with the will and the heart of the Father. We know that the mystery of the gospel is that the Gentiles were also included. That It was always the Father's heart to reconcile all people, whether Jew or Gentile, to himself. So we can assume or we can conclude, not assume, we can conclude that Paul was then invited into mission according to the Father's heart and will for him. And so supernatural scenario happening here. Uh, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And so Jesus reveals himself to Saul and then gives him a command And so as Saul is obedient to the command, he's stepping into that partnership of the will and the heart of what the Father has to work out in the earth from heaven, right? It was a light from heaven that flashed around him. It was from heaven. It was supernatural, spiritual. So Mark 3, 13 through 15. um, This will just reiterate a little bit of last week, but this will be a good place to end. And when he went up on the mountain... He called to him those whom he desired. So remember we talked about the father's desire. When he spoke to to Abram, he says, my heart's desire is I have a will. I'm going to tell you my will. I'm going to explain to you my heart's desire. And so, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired and they came to him. So Jesus had a will. He had a heart's desire. And he wanted to invite people into relationship with him to partner in the mission that he had on earth. We called those original 12 the disciples. So there was a calling of them into the relationship to partner in the mission based on his heart's desire. Called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. Again, there's that with scenario, right? It's always a presence thing, always with. Um, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. And so there was the relationship, and then there was the preaching, which was the um, the spreading forth of the will and the message of the Father, and have authority to cast out demons. The, the, the casting out of the demonic is the proof of the supernatural presence of Yahweh with his people as they move forward in mission with him. And so... All of that is, again, foundation to say that I believe today, right now, even so, and maybe you've already experienced this, chances are you've already experienced the Father revealing himself to you and inviting you into relationship with him to partner with what he has for you, not only what he wants to do for you, but what he wants to do through you. to make his will manifest on earth as it is in heaven. You may have already experienced this, but the idea is that I believe the father wants to do this with us. If it's not already happened, he wants people to know him. He wants to reveal himself to people. He wants us to know his heart. He wants us to know 
that he cares for us and that he loves us and that he has a purpose and that he has a plan and that he has a heart's desire and that he wants to be with us and that he has things for us to do. And that's us partnering with what he wants. And as we partner with him, he's going to resource us in every, in every way possible, supernaturally, physically, financially, relationally, he's going to give us everything that we need to work that out on earth. And again, we have to understand that it's what he wants. So there can be times that we're trying to make something happen and it's what we want. It's very different when we find out what he wants, because if it's what he wants, it will come to pass. My friends, he will make it happen. He has destiny for us. We're going to talk next week about destiny. He has destiny to do something in us and he has destiny to do something through us. So we can, we can bet our, <laughs> bet your bottom dollar, however, whatever they say, we can put our money on it, knowing that what the father desires, he's going to do in us and he's going to accomplish it through us because that's what he wants to happen. And so I believe he's still inviting people into relationship with him. There's so many times I've heard stories. I heard one recently about this girl who had been on, on meth essentially since she was like 12 years old. I mean, just ridiculous. And she had been on meth for like 20 years, like, you know, and she's still alive and she'd been going to church and going to church and going to church and trying to do rehab and do this, that, and the other, and trying to change and going to church because she knew she needed to be there and she wanted something to happen in her life. And there's one day she's at a prayer meeting and she's crying out to the father and she's saying, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm here, right? Here I am, Hanani. I'm here and I need you. And she said in that moment, she heard the voice of the Lord tell her, um, essentially like, I, I'm, I'm delivering you from this lifestyle. And so nothing else before then, not hearing preaching, not during worship, not, you know what I'm saying? Not while she's reading the scripture, while she has presented herself before the Lord and she's there, there's, there's a presence and then there's a word and the father speaks to her supernaturally and reveals will to her and says, it's time. I'm, I'm going to deliver you from this. The father revealed by his word, his will to her. And since then she's been clean since that day. She's like five, six years clean now. Like that was the moment in her life that the, the, she had the trajectory of her life shifted. You know, often I use this road to Damascus story to talk about the, um, this, disruptive nature of God, how God will disrupt a scenario when he wants to do something different. Saul's will that he is, that he would breathe out murderous threats against Christians and that he would oversee the persecution of the ecclesia of Yeshua. And there was, there was a life shifting scenario where there was a, um, intervention. There was supernatural intervention where the Lord shows up and shifts the trajectory of Paul's life. He reveals himself to him 
and he speaks by his word. There's a supernatural scenario that takes place. And then Saul is now in relationship with Jesus, obeying his commands, going where he's telling him to go, living on mission in partnership with his presence, the Holy Spirit sealing him as the promise of the hope to come. And so what an amazing thing that happens in the lives of people when the father chooses to reveal himself to him and then shifts the trajectory of their life. It happened to me when I was 14 years old. had the trajectory of my life shifted. Now I didn't like get on the straight and narrow immediately as they say, but what else was I going to do after the Lord revealed himself to me? Like you grow up, I grew up in church. It's like, you kind of know of God. You've read the stories. You, you, you've been in the Sunday school classes. I went through baptism. I was like 14 years in the church. And all of a sudden there's this evening where I'm at this building and I feel this presence on me. And in my heart, I know that the Lord is saying, I'm the Lord. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Here I am. Right. And there's just this real experience of a revelation of this God. And I'm saying, I've believed in God. I've heard of God, but it wasn't until now that he's actually revealed himself to me. And I think about the words of the disciples when Jesus looked at him and they said, and he said, are you two now going to leave me? And they said, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where do we go? What do we do after the creator of the universe proves his existence to us, right? And then he invites us into relationship. And then through that relationship, we come to know his heart. And as we come to know his heart, we come to know his will. And as he reveals his will, we say, yes, Lord, I want that too. And then we move forward in partnership with him. And that's our life, y'all. Our life on this earth is that. It's that simple. It's not, it's not difficult in the sense that we have to like work to try and uncover or, I mean, that's what it is. It's relationship. My commands are not burdensome. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. It's such a beautiful thing. So I'll end tonight with this question. What is possible? It is possible that Yahweh is still today revealing himself to people for the purpose of intimate relationship and partnership in his plan and he does it how he sees fit. If he wants to show up in a bush, he'll do it. If he wants to show up manifest as a flash of lightning from heaven, he'll do it. If he just wants to be a voice from the heavens in, in a quiet moment in the evening when you're laying down to go to sleep, he'll do it. Right? He, he's going to do it. If he, he, he'll do it through a whisper. He'll speak through a donkey. <laughs> he'll speak through a bush. He'll be a flash of lightning. He'll be a vision. He'll be a dream. I believe his heart's desire is to continue to reveal himself to mankind. And he's going to do it as he see fits. And we can't box him in thinking that he only has one way or two ways or ten ways. He's the God of the universe. And he does what he wants because it's his heart's desire. 
and he'll do it in a way that doesn't always make sense to people. He'll do it in a way that doesn't always make the Bible scholars happy or the religious leaders happy or your pastor happy or your group leader happy or your friend or your family member or your brother or sister in Christ that you really love. He won't always do it in a way that's going to make them happy. But he's going to do it in a way that it's real and it's the experience that shifts the trajectory of your life in the way that he desires for things to happen. His will on earth as it is in heaven. And we'll talk much more about that next week.